This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The Beatles famously sang, all you need is love. However, our next guest says love may actually be the key to wealth and success in business. We aren't necessarily talking about that touchy-feely type of love that groups like the Beatles have sung about. No, we're talking uh, about uh, how good business can develop uh, our if, uh, if we have some people love to do and how that connects with the consumer. Steve Farber is an executive coach and president of Extreme Leadership, Inc., and author of the book, Love is Just Damn Good Business, Do What You Love in Service of the People Who Love What You Do. And it's a pleasure to have Steve joining us right now. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. So how did you first come about this theory about the importance of love in business? Well, you know, I've been at this work of leadership development now for uh, 30 years, and I've uh, had the opportunity to work with just about every kind of organization you can imagine in just about every kind of industry. And over and over again, I've seen this just prove itself to be true. We just we don't use the language, right? Behind closed doors, you'll hear leaders talk about how much their team how much they love their company, their mission, their cause, their customers. Right. But then, you know, we have this stigma associated with it, which is really kind of uh, at least at, at least unfortunate and, and potentially tragic because when people really connect with their hearts, with their work, that's when we do incredible things. So businesses, as to a degree, put a wall up. They do. And I think we've been collectively conditioned to believe something, I mean, it's, it's kind of absurd, really, when you think about it, because we've, we've been conditioned to believe that love and business are anathema to each other, that, right. that love is important in every other aspect of our lives, right? We want to love our spouse, we want them to love us, we want to love our kids, we want them to love us, we want to love our friends, we want them to love us, and then we go to work and suddenly it no longer applies. And it's just, it's, it's insanity. Love is, if I could be so presumptuous as to quote my own title, it's just, it's just damn good business. Right. Well, then, I guess to a degree, I, I can see why there are times where leaders may not openly talk about it, because in many instances, they're worried about the bottom line. They're worried about, uh, you, you know, the structure of the company. They're worried about partnerships. They're worried about so many different things. Sure. But... As you kind of lay out, a lot of those things I just mentioned can be impacted by the concept of love. Yeah, exactly. In fact, that's the entire point. You know, we we are afraid that that love makes us appear weak, uh, that or irrational or emotional, and that we're going to make decisions that that aren't really based on anything. Uh, practical because you know it's all hearts and flowers and we just want people to be happy all the time and that's not what that's not what I mean so let me put it let me put it in this context right, right? What, what we already know and any business person worth his or her salt knows that our competitive advantage in our business comes from creating a product a service an experience that our customers are going to love right Right? Because we all know by now, we should anyway, that satisfaction is not enough. 
if, if a customer is satisfied, there's no greater likelihood they'll continue to do business with us or talk about us or anything like that. They'd be loyal to the brand. But when they love us, when they love the whole experience of working with us, that's where the payoff comes from. So we all get that, I would, I would hope. Right. But let's back it up one more step, or two more steps, really. But the first step is... We need to, in order to, to create that experience for customers in a meaningful and sustainable way over time, we have to create a culture or an environment that people love working in. If I don't love working here, it's much more difficult for me to create the products and services that my customers are going to love. Right. And to back it up even one more step, I can't create that kind of a culture, whether we're talking about the culture of a, of a team or an entire company. I can't create or contribute to that culture unless I have that myself first. If I don't love what we're doing here and love the people that I'm doing it with and the folks that we're doing it for, i.e. the customers, then I'm just faking it, right? right. People have a pretty good BS meter. They know when we're faking it. <laughs> yes. So, so this isn't about pretending, it's not about printing buttons and banners and saying that we love our customers. We've been doing that for decades, right? I mean, every, every dry cleaner in, 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 in the world, it seems, has little you know, paper on their hangers that say, we heart our customers. That's easy. So, so love, in this context, and what I'm talking about in the book here, is it's not that it's a nice to have. It's that it does directly affect our results, otherwise known as the bottom line. It's not just, um, uh, you know, a, a, there are three categories of people, I think. People that think that, that love has no place in business. Right. People that think that it's a nice to have. And, and then the third category, but not a must have. And then the third category, which obviously I am a member of, is that it is the thing that enhances every other thing that we do to make our business successful. And, and I would think that that group that you say you're a, you're a part of is probably, I think, historically the, the, the lowest percentage of the three, but maybe growing and, and, and picking up steam right now. Well, yeah, I, I think I do believe that it is picking up steam, uh, but I'm not so sure that it's the minority. Okay. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive because, you know, we've been, like I said, conditioned to believe it's got no place there. But what I've found is in my work, because, you know, I've been speaking to businesses and consulting with businesses, you know, for a, a few decades. And what, I, what I've seen is that, and what I've, the conclusion I've come to is that I'm really not trying to convince anybody of anything. If somebody is really dead set against this whole idea, then that's probably the way they're going to be. But what I found is that most people already know this. They, they already have – the instinct is, is there. The impulse is there. But they've thought that maybe that was wrong mm -hmm. somehow, that they shouldn't uh, act on it or explore it or try to put it into practice because you're, quote, not supposed to do that in business. But when they hear these ideas, they go, oh, Damn, I, 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 I'm not crazy. So there, in, in my experience, I, and I can't prove this, I think that's actually most people. If most people have that, in, that instinct and that impulse and haven't really done anything with it. So that's why we're seeing this trend mm -hmm. and why we're seeing this pick up steam, because we're kind of looking at each other and going, oh, okay, yeah. But for, for, <laughs> for the leaders themselves... 
you talk about the fact that that this is almost a, a, a must have. It it is a core principle that a lot of them need to, need to have these days. Yeah, I I believe that's true. And you know, in these in these ultra chaotic, polarized times that we live in, uh, and 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 in these days where we're spending more and more of our lives at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, we really have an opportunity here not just to change our own individual businesses, but to, but to change things, capital C, capital T. Because, so, you know, just about everybody goes to work somewhere. Right. And if we, can, if we can change the expectation and the experience of what it means to go to work into an opportunity to bring ourselves fully to that work, to do great work with people that we enjoy being with, we essentially change everything. So I do have, uh, you know, kind of a broader aspirational idea here, but I'm a business guy. Right. And in, in the meantime, you know, the, the way that we can prove that this is a better way to do things is by getting better results through doing it, through, sounds like an odd phrase, but operationalizing love. So I'm not talking, I want to be really clear about this now, I'm not talking about love as a sentiment. Right, right. But it's really love as a practice and a discipline. So the question we have to answer in our businesses is, what does that look like here? So how does that become impacted moving forward, especially now, considering we're in this digital age? Uh, big data is, is obviously important to, uh, to every business in some fashion. There's more focus on the numbers and on the technology than ever before. And, and you would think with a greater focus in those areas that, that some, of those, some of those elements uh, of love, as you discuss in business, may not be as viewed as important. Well, I think, that's, I think that concern comes from uh, an idea that's implanted in us uh, I mean, not by aliens, you know, just by history, <laughs> that, that those are mutually exclusive, that numbers and technology in one category and love in another category right. are mutually exclusive. And what I'm suggesting is that they're not, of course, because human beings are creating those numbers. Now, artificial intelligence and the implications of that aside for the future, we are... Uh, a collection of human beings getting together in a work environment to create stuff, right? Mm-hmm. As a technical term. And, and then, you know, we use data, we use technology to, to give us more intelligence about our marketplace and, and an opportunity to connect with our, with, find the right customers and connect with them. And once that connection gets made, we have an opportunity to create relationships. Let me, an experience. let me ask you this, because it, it, we've talked about the, the, the leadership of the CEO and, and how the C-suite and, and I guess to a degree the, the managerial level can can bring forth a lot of this. But what about the employees? And, and I guess even though HR is, is kind of taking a different – it still has a valuable uh, impact on companies, I would think that part of this also falls on the people themselves and, and the HR – Especially when you're talking about organizations that really rely on teams when you're doing projects. Absolutely. So this is this is a really critical point. Leadership fundamentally has nothing to do with your position or title. And what we are talking about here is, in effect, leadership. Right? It's our it's our ability to influence people around us to change things for the better. Right. And 
you know, leadership does, I'll, I'll be polite about this. I've met lots of people in my work over the years that sit very prominently on their company's organizational chart. They're very lofty and impressive sounding titles, have thousands of people that report to them, yet still have, this is the polite part, a bit of work to do. Sure. <laughs> yes. Their leadership goes, right? <laughs> Lacking in something. <laughs> yes, that's right. But the other side of that equation, which is what you're what you're alluding to here, is is I can't tell you how many people I've met that that are not technic they're not in positions of authority. Yeah. They're nobody's boss, they're nobody's supervisor, they're members of a team, they're on the front line, they're doing the work. No position or title, but they're great leaders by virtue of who they are, what they do, how they approach their work, how they live, how they connect with people, and again, yeah. their ability to influence people to change things for the better. So this leadership uh, model is, is something that's open to everybody. And I think, listen, top-down is always great when you're trying to change a culture or improve a culture or enhance, you know, enhance an environment. Right. But it doesn't always have to start there. So here's a question that I'd like to offer to your listeners to ask themselves. Regardless of your position or title, from wherever you sit in your company, ask yourself this question. What can I do right now, regardless of what anybody else around here is or is not doing, to change my piece of this business for the better? That's a leadership question. Right. So to say, yeah, you know, things will change around here. We'll bring more of this love thing in as soon as, you know, my idiot boss gets it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing as saying I choose not to lead. But then but then having a lot of people, and obviously that's the goal, to have a lot of people have that kind of mindset, but you still have, and I think to a degree, that's a, that's a personal, there's an element of personal decision in that because you still do have a lot of people that, that are nervous to, to kind of take that step. It is, it's always a level of personal decision, always, without exception. But here's, here's the thing. This is the good news and all that. You know, we do, we do talk a lot about culture uh, and for all the right reasons. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a very important thing. Yep. But we tend to think of it, so if you work in a big company, for example, we tend to think of the culture around here, the culture of this, you know, Fortune 100 company, of which I am a part, a cog in the machine, you know, whatever. Right. But the fact of the matter is that, that com- companies, large and small, also have microcultures, subcultures. Each team has its own culture. Each neighborhood, so to speak, in the company has its own culture. And that's where all of us have an influence over. So if you can prove in your piece of your company mm-hmm. that there is a better way to do things through the kinds of relationships that you create, then you have an opportunity to change things at kind of a grassroots level because as business people, we're interested in results, right? right? right. So it starts to happen. People from other parts of the company start looking over the fence at you and saying, what are you doing over there? Right. How are you getting those results? And that's, that's leadership. So we don't have to wait for somebody to give us permission to, to operationalize love in the way that we do business. We just start doing it. And there are people that do it Obviously, I didn't make this up, right? This right. is based on observation. There are people that are doing this all over the place, kind of in a, in a guerrilla fashion, right? Because, again, it's like, yeah, I don't use the word, but that's the way that I act. We're joined by – well, I'm sorry, Steve. Finish up. I'm just saying that, that that's really what it's about. It's not about walking around saying, I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> yeah. It's about acting, acting as though I do. Steve Farber is our guest. He's the author of the book, Love is Just Damn Good Business. 
Your comments are welcome. And uh, on the phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I, I would imagine, though, that there are elements uh, of this philosophy when you're talking about whether it is a big business, you know, multinational, Fortune 500, uh, or if it is a small business or a startup, that there are elements of this that, that work for both. Uh, absolutely, because um, I know this is going to sound sound strange, Dan, but uh, every company that I've met, so far anyway, whether they're big or small, has one thing in common. They're all populated by human beings. Right. So this yeah. is the human, it's the human element of business. Uh, but it's, it's something, it, it, it has extraordinary impacts. So let me give you an example, because I think we're, uh, I'm kind of speaking a little bit abstractly. So if I could, if I could give you a concrete example, sure. just kind of pull this into, into focus. So one of my favorite case studies, because of the kind of business they're, that they're in and where they came from, is a company in Jacksonville, Florida, called Trailer Bridge. So Trailer Bridge... Is not a, they're not in a sexy business. They're in the shipping business. Right. So they ship containers from primarily from the mainland to Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. So it was a toxic place. Uh, they they they've been in business now for about thirty years, but a number of years ago they were they were spiraling. They were in bankruptcy. People were dying to get out of there. <laughs> you know, yeah. the customer service numbers were terrible. They were obviously losing money. That's the bankruptcy thing. And, and they burned through four CEOs in three years, four heads of HR in the same period of time. And then Mitch Luciano was, was tapped by the board to turn the place around. Okay? Now, Mitch is a love guy. That's where he comes from. That's, that's his leadership approach. And he was, this was before I actually met him, but he was influenced by my first three books, The Radical Leap, The Radical Edge, Greater Than Yourself, where I first kind of, you know, posited this, this idea and this practice of, of love. Right. So he said to his board, I'm going to turn this place around, like you said, but I'm going to warn you that it's not going to be the usual sort of thing. Right. Because <laughs> I'm a love guy. He didn't say that, believe me, <laughs> not to that board. But he said, I want to create this place. I believe in these people. I want to create an environment that people are going to love working in. That's how we're going to affect things. So he did a number of things. Some of them were, were symbolic, and some of them were systemic. So symbol, you know, symbolically, he said, listen, we're a small company, 120 people. Everybody's walking around with name tags on. Right. Why? Don't, shouldn't we know each other? Sure, yeah. So he said, let's get rid of the name tags. Everybody, you know, at least learn somebody's name. Let's start with that. Yeah. Then he lowered the cubicles in the common area so people can actually see into each other's faces. And then he put in, you know, the usual kind of – he imported this from the Silicon Valley sort of approach, right? Yeah. Foosball tables and ping-pong tables, taco trucks on Thursday to bring everybody together and fed the company so people would talk to each other, town halls, uh, you know, being more accessible himself as the CEO, which, by the way, he did not take the title of CEO because of the baggage associated with it. Right. And he said, I need to earn that title. When you guys huh. see me as the CEO, then I'll take the title. Uh, now, here's, here's what it looks like from a customer perspective. In the old days, their policy was they would not ship, they would not sail unless their container was 75% full. Okay. Right? So let's say you're a customer, Dan. You're shipping a car to uh, – um, 
Puerto Rico for right. your family. Right. And you're t- you tell them it's going to be there on such and such a date. And then you find out that it didn't sail. And it didn't sail because the container wasn't full enough. Right. And they didn't sail it because they would lose money. Right? Yep. So, so what? Yeah. <laughs> your car is still sitting there. So they asked this question. If we loved our customers, if we loved our customers, what would we do? And the answer is really obvious when you put it that way. We would sail. Sure. Yeah. Not the customer's problem that we're going to lose money on it, but we would sail. Yep. And they started sailing. And they started taking care of people. And they started getting to know each other. And they did. They asked this question, what does love look like around here? And they answered it in probably hundreds of ways. And now fast forward, they were voted number one and number two best place to work in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, they are killing it. I mean, they're expanding all over the country. The last, the revenue of the last two years has exceeded the previous 25 years of the company combined. Wow. So they've turned it around, and they are not shy about this, by the way. Uh, they, they're very uh, uh, overt in their objective to create an environment that people love working in, yeah. and as a result... They don't spend any money on recruiters anymore because they don't need them. Their employees are their best recruiters. So it's a phenomenal turnaround, and, and there is tough love associated in this as well. There are people that weren't right for this new culture, and they are no longer there. It's a little bit of the short-term loss for the long-term gain then, correct? can be. It can be. So, for example, the, their history was that people in this small company – People would be fiercely protective of their turf, their title, and their information and their knowledge. They were, they were information and knowledge hoarders yep. there. And Mitt said, look, if we, if, to create an environment that people love working in, we have to help each other. And that means we have to share our knowledge and educate each other and mentor each other and help each other. And so we got to break down these silos, and there were people – frankly, in his management team that said, I I want no part of that. And he gave them a chance and he gave them coaching and some just didn't come around. And he said, listen, if you're more interested in holding on to your knowledge and information, then you really of no use or service to this organization. Right. So see you later. You know, it's funny. uh, we got about two minutes left. Uh, One of the other companies you mentioned is American Greetings, which the the, the card company, the greeting card company, you would think love has no issue in in that company. But again, I would think like any other company, it can run into kind of structural issues where this concept of, uh, of love surrounding business can be a challenge. Yeah. Well, it's always a challenge. Don't get me wrong. This is not an easy thing. In fact, you know, people say, ah, oh, that love stuff is soft. That's not soft. It's hard. It's about as hard as it gets. Right. Uh, but American Greetings is a great example because their, their mission is to create happiness, laughter, and love. It's stated. It's written on their walls at their corporate headquarters, which they call their creative studios. And you could say, well, sure, let's, they're a greeting card company. So that's a marketing thing. Right. right? right. Happiness, laughter, and love. That's what greeting cards are all about. But they challenge themselves to apply that internally as well. If we, if we say that's our face to the world, then we need to emulate that internally. So their, their challenge there is, you know, you've got, what, 20,000 people uh, in, in an iconic company that's been around for over 100 years. Yeah. And, you know, change in leadership, 
Uh, they've just had, you know, their, their previous CEO, John Beter, just retired. They have a new CEO. They're, uh, so there's, there's always challenge in this, but, but that's okay because they're very clear on their objective. And what that looks like for those guys, you know, when they built their creative studios, they, they got a lot of input from, for example, their artists as to what kind of environment they want in their corporate headquarters. Right. And what everybody said was, we want natural light in every part of the building. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they modified their plans. This is when they were building the thing, obviously, and spent an extra, I can't remember exactly what the number is, something like an extra $30 million to make the adjustment to put natural light through the building because that's what people said would be the most conducive environment sure. for them being creative. Steve, great to have you on the show today. Good luck with the book. It's uh, it's it's really good, uh, really good piece of work. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love is just damn good business by Steve Farber. Uh, the book is in bookstores and online for your purchase right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.